This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 316 Stage Hypnosis Success During a Pandemic. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. I have to tell you that as soon as the conversation you're about to listen to was scheduled, I got massively excited because, first of all, these three guys have been on this program a couple of times already before, though to have the opportunity to have not only myself, but also now Jim Wand, Dan Kendall, and Michael DeShallot all together having a conversation about how it is that stage hypnotists can respond in terms of how they're still putting on programs or the classic conversation of how Really, let's set the stage hypnosis title off to the side, because really everything you're about to hear the four of us talking about is always from the filter of presentational hypnosis, which I'll tell all of you right now. These are the skills that you need if you're going to be doing group sessions. These are the techniques that you need if you want to create greater impact with your clients. And I'll tell you part of the story as to how this episode came to be, that I knew for the upcoming conference, HypnoThoughts Live in Las Vegas, where we find ourselves kind of on a other side of everything pandemic, where numbers are, at the time of recording at least, I have to give that disclaimer, numbers are going down, vaccines are up, and we're reaching some hint that a level of normalcy is going to be soon approaching. It's probably going to take some time, though. So here comes HypnoThoughts Live, and yes, there's some of us, I'm doing my class once again in terms of product creation, product design, which there's social distancing because you're not even interacting with the client in person, it's all happening by way of a product. There's other people teaching things that are easily adapted, and I'll tell you the first thought was I saw that Dan and Michael were offering a stage hypnosis training before the conference, and thought number one was, really? (laughs) And and thought number two was then I saw the announcement that they're going to be adding in Jim Wand, who's like stage hypnosis uh, royalty, uh, to the lineup as well. I went, this is a conversation I've got to have, and let's invite all of you to listen. Here's some of the themes that you're going to hear inside of this episode this week, this conversation you're about to interact with. The fact that Jim has been keeping up to some degree with shows and how to make those modifications of actually doing the show online. You're going to hear a dialogue from Michael, who the work that Michael has done for years, not just working with schools, but not even working with the schools directly, but even at times working with the leadership organizations of which the schools are members of. That's one of the main markets that he's been a part of, and we've, I think, talked about that before here on this podcast. But the way that he had pivoted one of those markets where he still kept providing value to them The difference was now it was more so an educational series going out to the students rather than the interactive come up and let's do some funny stuff on the show and then turn that into a teaching point. And then Dan Candell, the anxiety relief guy, most of his work now is in terms of groups. And, And this is a conversation that he and I've been having for years in terms of our friendship, that how so many of the skills of the stage hypnotist, that's how we do better presentations. That's how we do better demonstrations. That's how we can create impact in a short amount of time. And as Michael talks about in this conversation, how that's so often people's first introduction to hypnosis. 
And it's then from there. I mean, the episode with Leon Sankofa a couple of weeks ago, talking about seeing now Jim and Michael and Dan, for the most part, do relatively family-friendly programs. But if you remember the episode with Leon a couple of weeks back, he saw a rather, um, let's say, appropriate show for a late-night comedy club. A A lot of people, this is their first introduction into hypnosis and to understand the skills. So whether your goal is going on the stage or not, I wanted to have them on to talk about what they do and kind of set the stage for how we can look at this as an option in terms of advancing our skills moving forward. So what I'll do is this. I'm going to link over in the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. I'll put that directly over to, I'll give you the link right now, htlive.net forward slash workshops. That's where you can see the event that the three of them are doing together in Vegas before HypnoThoughts Live. That's coming up in July of 2021. And of course, I'd encourage you to stick around afterwards because after the conference, I'm doing back by popular demand, my two-day live interactive training, Hypnotic Products, how to create, how to design, how to launch, and how to continuously profit from your own passive income streams. This is a topic that we hit on towards the end of this conversation, that the opportunity to go not just one-to-one, but one-to-many, which I'd encourage you, if you've looked at this event that I've done a few times before, Hypnotic Products, hypnoticproducts.com, if you look at it, we're doing it a bit differently this time around, because it's not just the two days together in Vegas. We're setting up some mechanisms so the training continues after the event, because it's kind of like how we would have a conversation with our weight loss clients, That, you know, we can meet on Thursday, but you're not going to drop 30 pounds on Thursday. No, we're going to set the foundation. We're going to plant the seeds so this amazing thing can happen over time. So this is where we've adapted the hypnotic products training to be a a live event where it's going to be followed up with some interactive webinars. And plus, it also includes some private consulting time directly with me. Sometimes it's just those little tweaks that's happening after HypnoThoughts Live in Vegas. Check that out. Hypnoticproducts.com. You are in for a treat. You are in for stories of a lot of inappropriate laughter, demonic possession. There's a special guest apparently towards the end of this episode. But again, whether or not stage hypnosis is your passion, you got to listen to this one because it's going to enhance your presentations. It's going to help you to think differently about hypnotic phenomenon. Plus, we're going to have a great time. So here we go. Episode number 316, Stage Hypnosis Success During a Pandemic. So I'm here with Jim Wan, Michael DeShallot, and Dan Candell. Now, we typically do this podcast in a slightly different format, where, of course, we wait till the end to ask the guest, how can people find you? What's coming up soon? These three guys are joining together to do uh, stage hypnosis training before HypnoThoughts Live this year in Las Vegas. I have to start this off myself, though, and just simply ask, why the hell would someone learn stage hypnosis in the middle of a pandemic? Welcome, guys. <laughs> and there it uh, is. <laughs> and there it is. Dang it. We should probably not teach this class then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are some good things that came out of the pandemic. I'm sure there are. Jim, <laughs> tell us. Well, Back to you, Jim, well, at the weather desk. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, I, f- I found there are a lot of colleges still interested in doing it. So I ended up doing about 25 to 30 virtual blended shows with colleges, but they're not as good as when the audience is there to interact from, but it gave the colleges an option and they tried to bring some normalcy to the campus and the students needed it. So it worked out really well. The only thing we found out was that you got to let the college handle the platform. 
so hmm. that they can actually uh, do the authenticating because we had an issue not too long ago. Well, actually, it was the first week of college in August where I was doing a seminar for 20, uh, 16,000 college students in Milwaukee for the MATs, MATC campuses. And it was called TikTok Your Way Through uh, College One Minute at a Time. And as soon as we got on, some porn came up. And so we were able to control it and, and shut it off. But And right there is why you learn stage hypnosis in the middle of the pandemic. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, but it gave him some normalcy. Also, with the stage hypnosis, I became a little bit better at doing the uh, virtual sessions with individuals too. Yeah. Gained a lot of experience there. So I, I guess it, it doesn't really matter what kind of a presenter you are. The stage hypnosis techniques, different types of, of testing and other things that could come up during a conversation or during a demonstration. And that's a big one. Demonstrations are, they sell. And with stage hypnosis, you can do a little bit more demonstrating because you already have the skill set. So that, that's kind of why I think they should uh, come to it. And anybody watch, see if we had had this where we could watch it visually, then we could have just hypnotized everyone and it wouldn't have been an issue. But <laughs> Well, I want to come back around a little bit later to the whole virtual thing because my, my whole take on what's happening within our industry is that we've proven a long-term viability of the online work. Over time, the in-person stuff is going to be coming back gradually to some degree, but here are magicians that I know that are now doing virtual shows and they're going, I can bring the audience to me. I wanted to kick off this way because the three of you have been on either together or separately at many different times on this. Pro you do something for seven years and we end up starting to repeat guests. Yes. Dan, welcome back for the 90th, 94th time. <laughs> so excited, so excited to be back. But I love what you said about, you know, looking at where our skills may not necessarily be that of the goal of opening up shop and getting on the stage and doing the presentation. Dan, I know this is something you and I've talked about quite a bit about, you know, making that transition to working with clients, how the skills of the stage hypnotist tend to be very important there. Jason, I have started doing so many groups. In fact, I had a group last night. I had a group on Monday. I have Monday night groups and I have Wednesday nights. I do my self-help series. So they're group sessions on Wednesday nights. And being a stage hypnotist helps tremendously with group management. And it helps you not just with group management, but it gives you the confidence to be able to work with the group and what exercises to do, specifically how to not just educate them, work with them as clients, but also how to entertain them as well while you're going through the process. And that's what you've got to learn as a stage hypnotist is how to think on your feet and entertain. And this is why you need to learn this even throughout a pandemic, because you can now, just like you said, Jason, with the magician friends, you can now bring your audience to you. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ways that I morphed my practice is I love an audience. We're all here because we love an audience. So now we get an opportunity to bring the audience to us instead of us going to the audience. Yeah. Which looking at how, you know, we can change that skill set, that working with the group in terms of the stage hypnosis to, I love what you said though, about keeping their focus, that it's not just, I now hypnotize them, but bringing some entertainment factor into even a presentation, even to into a change process, because again, there's an audience there in front of you. Absolutely. And this is also stage hypnosis is what actually got me a TED talk. It got me the opportunity to do the TEDx talk 
which has gotten over across YouTube 12 million views, just saying. But the one little stupid thing that I did in the TED Talk is the the finger magnets. And Jason, I know you had, uh, you also have a TEDx talk. You also went on a huge speaking platform and you have these amazing pictures of you doing the finger magnets to display this moment of hypnotic phenomenon or persuasion and influence. And the number one thing that people who view that TED Talk tell me when they actually come into my practice or join my group sessions is they say, the thing that got me is I know I was hypnotized because I did the finger, I did the finger, which we know isn't hypnosis, which I got highly criticized for on that TED Talk, but whatever. It's the ability to give yourself a platform and to know what to do with that platform. Yeah. And I love that idea of platform. And Michael, it's good to have you here too, because especially you're someone who kind of bounces back and forth between the two of doing the show and then running your, your hypnosis practice has been online for a number of years now. It has actually, I decided when I first moved to Vegas or when I was planning on moving to Vegas about almost three years ago that I did not want to have an office. I was going to go entirely virtual. And so I, I started this journey about three years ago and really had to kind of piece together the platform to make it all automated. And now Jason, you do a great job of, of teaching people how to do that. And so for me, this was not, this was nothing new. This was just, you know, business as usual for me. I haven't done any virtual shows myself online. I've done more socially distanced shows mm. where I'm live in the audience still. And those are for schools that are in low impact areas and things of that nature. And it's done safely as safely as can be done. So I don't want to start any controversy with that. Yeah. Uh, we made sure it was safe. Well, um, I think that's, that's the disclaimer so, here, obviously, yeah. that I was teaching yeah. a class online last night mm -hmm. and here's someone in the event that different countries are handling things differently than others and population density is a factor. And there's parts of New Zealand that are much further along. Then again, there's rural parts of New Zealand where there's no one there anyway. <laughs> and, and he had signed up for the online training for the reason of going, I'm seeing you're teaching how to do hypnosis sessions online. That's my only option because it's me and a bunch of goats. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So the, uh, stop Dan, but, stop. Yeah. But anyway, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what, are doing, Dan? what are you doing? So, yeah. So, so doing the online thing, I think is, is, is just a great, great tool, but, and I know Jim's going to talk about online stuff when we, when we do the class actually in August, but going back to what Dan was saying, just echoing that stage hypnosis is a great tool to add to your tool belt. It opens the doors in so many different aspects, not just in shows, but in presentations. I've done, as a matter of fact, I shot an entire video series of presentations for my CTSO groups in Arizona, all the student-led organizations like FBLA, HOSA, and DECA, and, and FCCLA. They hired me and contracted me to do a 10-video a series this last summer instead of doing their live camps, which I always did. I always went there. I did a few presentations. I did some team building. I did their shows for them. So we had to adapt. So I shot a 10 video series for them over the summer, which they are then able to just disperse out to everybody. So it's a combination of both skills, being online and also being able to adapt as quickly as, as we can as stage hypnotists. And we really have to think on our feet. And that's a, that's a definite skill set that you'll learn by coming to the class. Yeah, I think that that flexibility is one of the major things there. And I love what you said about, you know, the, the filter of show versus tell that mm -hmm. from the skills of doing something presentational, from the skills of giving someone the experience, you know, that's that's what changed how even I work with my clients. I say that I'm a hypnotic phenomenon based hypnotist 
because your client's issue is not just in their thoughts, it's their feelings, it's the kinesthetics that they're connecting with and the skills of doing something hypnotic, just to say it simply there. Uh, I want to go back to the virtual show. So Jim, walk us through what, let's say the user experience of that is. Again, the main thing is to make sure that you have that com uh, that you have the college set up the platform and run it and be responsible. That way, if anything goes offline, it's up to them. But anyway, uh, some of the like we had a school, uh, we didn't get university. We were ready to do it two days before the virtual show, and the activity director called me and said, "Well, we can do it, but we can only use ten people." Period. I thought that we're going to allow people in the audience for social distancing. Well, there wasn't. So basically what they did there was they set up the technical elements, which included a screen where the subjects could visualize me. I could see them and we were to use it. Now, one thing I have found with the virtual shows is a lot higher percentage of the people participating get hypnotized. I'm not sure why yet. Maybe they're just the ones that really wanted to when they volunteered to come in. But every one of them so far, I think probably 95, 96% of the people that are on stage got hypnotized. But anyway, what they did is they, they have that set up and then they live stream it, of course. Now, what we do is we talk about 10 minutes before we go on the live stream. I explain things like you normally would do at a pre-talk. And then we shut the audio down uh, while we do the hypnosis induction hmm. so that nobody watching it gets hypnotized. And once they're hypnotized, now again, even with them being only 10 of them there, we still have them socially distanced on the chairs, et cetera. And we always have one person there that we teach how to take people out of hypnosis in case Wi-Fi goes down, we have some other issue. And we also tell the people who are being hypnotized that if they lose my voice, if you lose connection, you're automatically going to come out of hypnosis. So we have a couple of safeguards there just in case. Hasn't happened yet, but knock on wood. So once we get hypnotized, then they live stream it. And they do that a number of different ways. Like the one in Milwaukee, they live streamed it on their campus Facebook page. And that's where we ran into trouble because the link got out there and anybody in their neighbor could watch it. And that's where all these people started coming in from the outside. And that's where we had those issues. So by giving them that, by them setting up the platform, whether it be uh, YouTube, whether it be Microsoft, whether it be any platform they want to go with, they're the ones that set that up. They're the ones that have the technical element. And then we have somebody there to handle things if things go astray. After that, basically the show is just about the same as what we do now. As a matter of fact, we get a lot of really good action, which is what you want to see. And we do that with, uh, we use sound effects so that we get the people on stage really into it. And what I found is, let's say we have a, usually when we set up the chairs, we'll set like five of them across the front, six feet apart. And then we come back at an angle, put one here. It'd be like a course. You're watching a course. You can see everybody, but you still have the six feet. So we usually do about three or four lines. And then I find what I do is after the first skit or two, whoever's really, really active, I have them move those people up to the front. And we re-sanitize the chairs and move those people up to the front. They're much more involved with movement. So then the people behind them get into it more. So basically, once we get the show established and running, and then one thing we do that most other speakers don't do, because what we found is a lot of the colleges, I've talked to the activity directors, they're experiencing something called screen fatigue, where the students are on the screens every, so much during the day, they don't really want to come back for a night program. Whether it's entertaining or not, they don't want to come back for it. So what we do, we found, and we've, we've been following it, is once we finish the show, we do a post-production edit. 
and then we send them back a link that they can use for 60 days, and that way anybody can see it. Everybody can see it. And they really like that. Most presenters won't, won't allow, college presenters won't allow that to happen. And I think some of it is because the speakers that come on at the beginning of the year, they have a set message, they come back there every year, and they don't want to give away their fire, so to speak. So everyone, we haven't had one yet that has not worked, but some have been more active than others. Uh, Again, the nice thing for me is I was sitting here at my desk, let's see, in October, I did a show in San Antonio at Lady of the Lake College at eight o'clock, and I was in bed, in my own bed at 11 o'clock. <laughs> so you can also offer the college a discount because you don't have to have any travel expenses. You don't have to put it on them. I mean, it's only going to take two hours of your time. I usually work with another guy so that we have a moderator and we make sure that we have things running smoothly, but it's worked out well. I mean, the whole message of adaptation that that's really what we've all been doing yeah. now for about a year at this point and the fault would go what can't i do and instead the question always should become well what can i do the same as you know i i began in stage hypnosis any of us have had the experience where this microphone's not working we have to yeah. adapt and do something else i can think back to one of my first programs i did in like 2006 and my fancy remote control sound system, I fired the first cue and the light turned off because it didn't work that day, which this group brought me back the next year. And they're like, wow, you added so much new music to the show. I'm like, I didn't have any last time because the system <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> what you said, though, about and I think there's a lesson to come out of this. What you said, Jim, about they get the video and yes, it's available for a window. There's an audio that I used to share with my clients and I've since adapted it and given it in a different format now. And by nature of email marketing, every time someone opened it, it would tell me when they opened it. I had this one guy who suddenly I'm looking, it's like he is opening it like 15, 16 times a day. What the hell is going on? Is he okay? And like, I had no other way of getting around this moment except to call the guy and say, you know, hey, hey, Bill, is everything okay? Like, I never do this, but like, you've been listening to my audio program like two dozen times a day. Are you all right? Do you need some help? He goes, oh, no, I forwarded it to my entire staff. They're really benefiting from it. <laughs> Did this person call you? Yeah, they're coming in next week. Did this person call you? Yeah. So it's this willingness to share. Yeah, sure. mm -hmm. You know, I love what you said, though, about having a, a filter on it, though. That way it's not just out there for right. forever. Dan and Mike, I'd love to chat about, you know, again, these skills adapted over to groups. That Something that I heard at the beginning of everyone else moving online was kind of what Jim mentioned about screen fatigue, but almost from the presentation side, we're having to bring all the energy. We're having to go first and really set the foundation of that. What what from the stage environment have you brought into like doing sessions, whether they're one-to-one, -one, whether they're groups? So this is really where it's really important is many of our previous students didn't come just to learn stage hypnosis. They came to learn presentation hypnosis and how to use stage hypnosis strategies and techniques for, for doing presentations and for doing groups. So number one, the rapid pace at which we learn, uh, at which we work on stage, because, and, and this is where, where Jim and Mike and I, we're all different. We all have different paces, different styles, different speeds. I work very, very quickly. And it's like a rock show meets a ferret on crack, you know, and, <laughs> which is a very specific reference. That yes. And dangerous. <laughs> so I work very quickly with people. I also use a lot of the hypnotic phenomenon in the group as well, such as like things like finger spread apart, then hand to face. I want a lot of physical movement in there 
So that way, when people do watch it back, they can actually watch themselves in the group atmosphere. They can watch themselves participating with this hypnotic phenomenon because we know that like light and heavy, for example, or the balloon and bowling ball, whatever you want to call it, the arms rising and falling. Many times people, if they're not watching it, they don't realize how far apart their arms went or they don't see themselves doing it. So this gives us a really good opportunity to do things like this on the screen, then send it back to them afterwards. And every single group I do, I record it, I put it on a page, and guess what I do with it afterwards? Sell it. (laughs) So repurposing content so you can use these self-improvement groups or whatever group that you're doing, and you can repurpose it and resell it afterwards. Those are some good points, Dan. I want want to throw in there, but I'm kind of jealous about this whole ferret thing on crap. (laughs) I am more like a hedgehog who's rabid smoking methamphetamines in a three-legged race so that that's going to be me that's going to be me jim you better come up with something stellar now but okay what i want to throw out though is is dan mentioned testing and and this is one attribute that stage hypnotists i think do better than clinical hypnotists Mm -hmm. in most cases and that's not necessarily just the testing but testing in an authoritative type manner when you and like you said jason we're bringing the energy to the sessions we're bringing the energy to the stage we're bringing we're the ones that are really facilitating this process and if it comes to clinical we're facilitating the whole change process and so what i've found and what i have been doing with my clinical clients online is being a little bit more authoritarian when i'm doing the testing and also the suggestions as well too and the clients are loving that they want to be led they want to be directed they want to be guided and, and, and really, quite honestly, pushed. They want to be pushed to that change because, again, in these uncertain times, people are just really, really have gotten, you know, mamsy-pamsy about a lot of things. And so they're afraid. And so having that authoritarian type of command or voice or suggestive or suggestions, I think really helps too. And that's one thing that, you know, we definitely teach in the class too is the different styles of performing. I'm also very permissive on the stage too, but I go back and forth. Mm-hmm. This is when I'm working with clinical clients too. Depending on the client, you know, I'll ebb and flow between the two. I could be very nice. I could be good cop. I could be bad cop if I have to too. And so I think that's another skill set that you're going to get out of this training with us is that you'll learn the authoritarian approach, which doesn't mean you need to be mean or nasty to your clients. Yeah, I was about to jump in on that. The quick yeah. anecdote yeah. was I, I have a whole segment of something I teach about how to be permissively authoritative. Mm -hmm. as well as authoritatively permissive, which is that the transition doesn't have to be that massive. And someone had learned in another training this that this completely polarized way of doing it, of either the suggestions are really soft and almost a whisper versus now you are doing this. And now it's like the difference between permissive and authoritative could be as simple as the choice of words. Mm -hmm. You may be noticing this sensation is permissive versus that feeling is now traveling down your arm. And just the word choice changed. And she raises her hand and she goes, I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart because I don't want to shout at people. (laughs) I think you guys are comfortable with shouting. But (laughs) no, but looking at how we can build that flexibility, that it's a matter of, I've nicknamed it hypnotic tenacity, the ability to keep at the suggestion until we actually get the result. And again, we're getting feedback mechanisms the whole way through. 
And I want to jump in here too, Jason, because this is where online, you know, a lot of our clients, they ask, well, should we be lying down? Should we be sitting down? Where should we be? And this is where I actually, when I'm doing sessions online, I don't like my clients to be reclined because of the style of induction I usually do. And I'll do, in fact, Michael and I have done shows together before. And the induction that we've used is I call it the three, two, one induction. And that's pretty much the one of the inductions I do with people online when I do a hypnotic induction. And I'll say, as I count backwards from three down to one, close your eyes, three, two, one. Now, as I count backwards from three down to one, relax your eyes to the point where they don't want to open three, two, one. And now let that feeling of heaviness go into your head and let your head fall forward three, two, one. And it's just these moments where you, you see them validating for themselves that it's like three, two, one, boom, three, two, one, boom, three, two, one, boom, and their head drops forward. And this is where I was doing a session last week. And when I said your head drops forward on three, two, one, boom, this woman, she went boom on her laptop. And I swear, I thought she broke her light. Like she short circuited that laptop and she literally, she went, ow, <laughs> Whoops. like, I'm sorry, let, let's do this again. So well, it allows us to get that style and that phenomenon where we can actually see them going into hypnosis. And that's the style of a stage hypnotist. You want to see them making these changes as they're making them. Yeah, that, you know, you just talked about her hitting her head. That was uh, the reason I got kicked out of the main cafeteria at Boston College <laughs> a, a number of years ago. That's why I do that show now, Jim. Now it makes sense. <laughs> right. Well, my friend used to be a vice president of student affairs up there. And, and anyway, they want us to go around and do some teasers at the different cafeterias. So I went in the main cafeteria and uh, they were serving uh, Italian that night. And I walked over the one table and there's about four girls and five guys there. And uh, I have I a pause. Anybody... How many of you out there already know the end of the story? They were serving Italian. I'm sorry, Jim, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, is anyone going to be hypnotized here? This girl said, well, I was, I was hypnotized at camp last summer. And I said, well, can I do a little demonstration? I said, go, yeah. And I go, sleep. She go, boom, right in the spaghetti. Yep. And it spread all over the cafeteria. The supervisor came over, extremely upset, kicked me out. But I think half of that cafeteria came to the show that day. So yeah. <laughs> Is that a meatball on your forehead or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> see, yeah. but that's where there, there's a catchphrase that's come out of, now I can't do this catchphrase as much in an online training as it used to be in person, which is you'd have the awkward thing occur and the better feedback in a class is to go, great, now that you've made that really uncomfortable for everybody, you're not going to do that for someone else ever again. It's like, oh, yeah, like they they were doing some technique and it just got into an awkward situation. I forget if I've told you guys this story that when I was first getting into hypnosis, one of my friends calls up and he goes, and he was getting into it at about the same time. And he goes, I don't know if I should do stage hypnosis. I'm like, well, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Why do you say that? He goes, well, I mean, I'm really effective with my clients, but I think I might be too powerful of a stage hypnotist because my volunteers go so deeply into hypnosis, they're falling out of their chairs and like getting hurt. Does it mean I'm too powerful of a hypnotist that I should stop doing shows? I'm like, well, no, it just means you're a crappy hypnotist who doesn't understand basic suggestion structure. Your body will safely remain in the chair. That helps you to go deeper. The back of the chair will keep you safe. Set up a simple cause and effect relationship, and that's going to resolve basically everything. And I'm sure whether it's the meatball story or the laptop story, we, we have these moments where, let's say, something happened during a program, 
and it then informed you to, you know, add in a little bit more suggestion, maybe even a little bit more instruction to make whether it's the stage work or even the clinical work more effective. Do you have any stories that come to mind of, again, learning a lesson and then going, oh, so here's how I make that work better next time? Well, one yeah. thing I have, real quickly, if you don't mind, the helpful part of it for me, many, many years, I've always had people tape, I've taped the chairs together to induce more movement. And I found that I can do just as much without taping the chairs together. As a matter of fact, I did an adult show not too long ago, and they were much more comfortable without sitting real close together. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I got them to be more active too. So I've been doing this for 30 years and I've always preached, tape the chairs together. You're going to get that movement, move people around. You're going to get more. But I found that, hey, you don't need to do that. You can, but you don't absolutely have to. So that was a big factor I learned. Yeah. There's a moment where one of our former students, because usually when, and we're so happy to have Jim joining us on staff for this particular training, because he does have such, he, uh, Jim, you have an amazing knowledge where you're going to bring so much to the table with doing the virtual shows. And you've been doing this for such a long time. And also you have other hypnotists that, that work with you and work for you and do shows with you. And the shows that the trainings that Michael and I have done, we've actually brought students on stage with us. It's going to be run a little bit different this year. However, one of the things that happened last year on stage, there are two things. There is I was doing one show one night and then Michael is doing another show in Vegas. And the show that I had done with my students or with our students, the show that I had done, I dropped the microphone in the very beginning of the induction. And I'm like, oh, no. But fortunately, one of our students was like backstage, handled it, put the microphone back together, put the batteries in it, handed it off to me. When Michael was doing his show, one of our students embodied Satan. And <laughs> I'll, I'll let Michael tell that story. But here's where I do want to quote something that Michael says that I every single training, I quote him because this is such an eloquent way of saying this. Our clients come in. And they think that sometimes their personal change is going to be like that pivotal moment like they see on stage, sleep on my count of three, you'll open up your eyes, you'll wake up and you'll magically be better. One, two, three, boom. And they think that's what hypnosis is going to be like clinically, and it's not. And one of the ways that that Michael and I got into this heated debate at one o'clock in the morning at my house one year uh, when we were doing a training, and Michael said it so perfectly. He said, you know, on stage, we're making temporary meaningless changes mm. in the office we're making long-lasting meaningful changes nice you know and this is one way that we can explain this to our clients and that's why it's really important you have this vast knowledge of how you do both the performance side and the clinical side and michael i think you should tell the story of how one of our students embodied satan in the hypnosis shows <laughs> Yeah, we'll get back to that one in a second, Dan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we will get back to that one. It's an interesting story, though. And the person who did that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him out on this because he totally would appreciate it. And he did a really spectacular job of embodying Satan. This may not have been what we were kind of looking for. But uh, I'll tell you that story in a second. But first, I want to piggyback on what you said, though, Dan, is, you know, meaningless changes on the stand doesn't mean they're totally meaningless. They're fun. They're for entertainment value. That's the purpose of it is for entertainment value. And then when they're in the office, it's for permanent lasting lifetime change. But a lot of my clients, as a matter of fact, most all of my clients that come to me, come to me because I am a stage hypnotist. They say this to me, I chose you because I've seen you in a show or I've seen another show and I've seen what you stage hypnotists are able to 
make your people do up on stage, make your volunteers do. Now we know we have to correct their language. Mm-hmm. Maybe have to straighten them out. We don't make anybody do anything. We suggest it to them. Now, there's yeah. something to be said about the foot in the door because there's a video I saw of Dan's and I was cursing his name because I had done the bit for years, but I never filmed it. And your video was good, which was, it was this, the type of county fair where you're having to turn your sound system up to counteract the noise of the grease pig contest. Jim is nodding his head so big to that. I love that. (laughs) Where, you know, everyone was smoking in the audience. Here's the guy on stage that I could smell it off of him. It's like, oh, let's have some fun with this. With each and every puff of that cigarette, it's going to taste more and more odd. I'm not going for disgusting because I didn't want him, you know, throwing up on the stage. It wasn't that show. But it was instead the aspect of just, it's going to taste weirder and weirder, like something rather, you know, foreign or something that it should not taste like. And he's like, they're going pork chops <laughs> but it's what you said mike it, it can be yes it's the temporary meaningless yet there's for a lot of people where it's the foot in the door that they can experience something differently right than what they were experiencing in the past which kind of opens up that window to, this is why i use so much hypnotic phenomenon in my change work even over online zoom because it's that little bit of a window to go oh i can experience something differently than before well, you know, you brought up an interesting point, Jason. You said you brought up the fairs and, and the noises and things like that. This is one thing. If there's a takeaway from this, too, as a stage hypnotist, we know doing fairs, we know doing high schools. I've had fire alarms go off in the middle of the show. I've had students get a bloody nose in the middle of the show, just one, fortunately, and it was just a dry nose issue. You know, you have all kinds of different things happen. And as a clinical hypnotist working online, a lot of times your clients are going to ask you, well, uh, what happens if my, my dog's barking? My dog's barking. Well, do you know what your dog sounds like? Yep. Well, then that's not going to bother you. As a matter of fact, every time you hear your dog bark, after those barks drift away, you drift deeper into hypnosis. You just throw that in as part of the induction. I had a client yesterday and his cat jumped into his lap and that's a comfort thing for him. So it was a deepener. I call it the cat deepener now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and 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 then he turned into a cat on on Zoom. It was really weird. I don't know. She, she's in my office. It's the second session, and she shows up with her poodle because, of course, yeah. now she's already quit smoking, so she's thrilled. And this was my session to kind of ratify things further. And can't do the floppy arm drop with a puppy in the lap because every time the dog's going, Err. I have a note. I need to stay in hosting mode here, though. I have a note about Satan. Yes, a note about Satan. Okay, so one of our dear friends. He's friends to all of us. I'm pretty certain. I will reveal his name at the very end, but he took our stage class. He'd been wanting to for a couple of years now and, and, you know, threatened, threatened to darken our doorstep and sure enough, (laughs) good choice of words there. (laughs) Yeah. Threatened to darken our doorstep. And he did, he showed up and you know what though? He, um, he's an amazing hypnotist, an amazing NLP practitioner, an amazing trainer too. And he took the class and we gave our students this opportunity as Dan said to go on stage with us. Well, I booked a couple of school shows for us to perform in. And we did them as fundraisers for the school. So they got to keep the profits and, and our students got the stage time. So we tasked them with the, with the task of creating their own routine. We gave them a few parameters, apparently not enough parameters. We gave them some parameters. You know, we said, obviously it has to be appropriate, you know, do this. It should be about this long. We, we kind of ran through it with them and, and we heard him in the practice time that we had. And basically the routine was a common one. You're, you're on this roller coaster. (laughs) 
<laughs> I can't look at you when I'm telling the story, Dan. Uh, I can't. I can't see him, but Dan is in tears already. This is why we're audio. <laughs> why we're audio. Only. So you're on a roller coaster, you know, and, and the, the ride starts and he's making the sound effects and he's using the microphone really well. And I'm, I'm pleased with that and almost too well. And so he's, he's making the sound effects and he says, now you're coming over the top of the hill. And before you drop down, before you drop down, and, I, I, and again, this may not be an exact reenactment, but it's pretty close to it because I tried to forget it and therapy has helped. But he says, right when you're ready to go down, you're going through this dark tunnel. And then Satan appears. Satan is here. <laughs> and he's yelling and, he's, and, and I'm like, and the kids are like, ah! So, so Michael, there's a part though where he goes, and now you're flying through the flames of death, and your face is burning off. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the audience. Audience, I'm in the audience. It's going, and I'm thinking it possibly can't get any worse than this, but then it does because <laughs> flames of hell are melting your face off, and it was done so great. It was, it was, you know, the kids. Never ride a roller coaster ever again in their entire lives. But it was great. And the audience is just like laughing. And Dan and I are, are crapping ourselves now because we're like, oh, my God, we'll never be asked back at this school. But actually, they loved it and they want us back. And I just want to say Kevin Cole did an amazing job at that routine. Kevin Cole is an amazing hypnotist, and he will one day make a great stage hypnotist if he chooses to do that. And, you know, just watching watching him blossom like that in that type of an atmosphere and, and really kind of take it. And I now know that he can take that same routine and use it for somebody who's afraid to ride roller coasters. Or who wants to be afraid to ride roller coasters. Yeah. All right. <laughs> write or, that down, Michael. As, as, I, as I worked in management and production for theater for a number of years, as we would say there, that's a choice. <laughs> so I love that in I, your next book. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're coming up on time here in a bit, and we'll link over in the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com, which this is happening at HypnoThoughts Live, the biggest conference in the entire hypnosis world in Las Vegas, coming up in July. You, you guys are in July because this year the conference kind of straddles between July and August. Before we wrap things up, I just kind of ask you, let's start off with Dan, any kind of final thoughts in terms of what knowing stage hypnosis or even just, let's just say presentational hypnosis, what has that helped you to really do in your career over the years? Jason, this has led to so many opportunities and I, I'm just so thankful for the opportunities it's given me. And part of it is making those opportunities happen. I turn every single show into a marketing freaking machine and a lead generation machine. And dude, you seed things in the beginning of the show. Like I asked people in the beginning of the show, raise your hand if you've ever felt, uh, raise your hand if over the past two weeks you felt stressed, anxious, nervous, apprehensive, fearful, or doubtful about something. And everybody raises their hand. And then I say, if you haven't raised your hand, you've been dead for a week, right? The, the typical fun line. So we're seeding that throughout the show. Then at the end of the show, I do a thing called two minutes of transformation with the people on stage. And then I say, ladies and gentlemen, or we can't say that anymore. I say, people in the audience, people in the audience, you just saw these people transform in front of your eyes on stage. How would you like it if I gave you the same experience? Take out your phones, go to blah, blah, blah.com and put in your name and email address. Jason, I literally get about, 
I would say 75% of the people at every show opt in. Now, if you're doing a show for a thousand people, that's 750 leads. You can now send them a $10 audio, a $20 audio, a $2,500 hypnosis package, and you bring them through the funnel. So I turn every single show into a lead generation marketing machine. And this is the power of what it can do for your clinical practice, for your clients, for audios that you have. As Jason says, make it rain. Nicely done. Nicely done. Michael, how about you? I've got, I've got to ditto what Dan said too. And, and I do the same thing as well too, because I learned that from Dan and, and from you, Jason and, and Jim, I've learned so much from you as well too. It's, it's how do you turn the show into so much more than just the show? It's not just about marketing to capture more business, but it's about sharing value with the, with the audience. So that's, that's one thing, but you know, the real thing, the real takeaway that being a stage hypnotist has boosted my confidence so much as a clinical hypnotist. That's a real big thing. I started off as a stage hypnotist. Actually, I started off before that as a magician. So I had the stage confidence, but then at my first stage show, I had an opportunity to help a couple of college students to become non-smokers. And I didn't really know how to do that or what to do. So I referred them to another hypnotist. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm leaving money on the table and I'm missing, more importantly, I'm missing an opportunity to help people to eradicate this, this nasty, filthy, disgusting habit from their life. And I looked at those two college students and they were, they were two young ladies. And I thought these could be my daughters. This could, I would expect a hypnotist of good moral and ethical values to not just learn stage hypnotists, but learn clinical so they can help people too. But the, the level of confidence that you receive as a stage hypnotist, you can transfer that into your clinical practice too, and help your clients to a much greater level, exponentially better than what you can you know, without that confidence. Nice, nice. And Jim, bring us home. Well, you know, I think a big part about it is the marketing at every show, like you mentioned, Dan, and it's a lot easier today than it was 20 years ago when I was carrying a trailer full of uh, CDs and DVDs and burners and books. And, you know, it's so much work where today it's, it's a much, much easier for that part of it. But I think most stage hypnotists, they get trapped into not knowing how to get shows. And that's one thing I've concentrated on over the years and I've worked in, in, in 12 of the main markets. You know, I've worked in every state, 14 foreign countries, multiple cruise ships, casinos. And I found that most people try to approach like, oh, let's say colleges. Hypnotists like to do colleges. What do they do? They go through the activity department. Well, there's 10 other ways. They're called submarkets that I use. They're, I go through the back door. So I have 242 back doors that I'm going to talk about during this particular conference so people learn how to do more of the marketing. But also, I've learned that if you take chances on state, what are you laughing about there, Dan? Oh, the back door? Um, I was going to say, sure, yeah. <laughs> just just a reminder that we help people. Sorry. Yes, we help people. I'm sure Dan has more back doors than you, Jim. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But but on stage, a lot of hypnotists are afraid to make mistakes. And I found that you learn from making mistakes. And once you learn from making mistakes, you become comfortable in trying anything. I do improv hypnosis where toward the end of the show, I ask the audience, what would you like to see? 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 And then I do one skit with all those. Okay, you're all tiny elephants. You're dancing down the yellow brick road. You're taking your shoe off so you can hear better, you know, so you pull it all together. So you teach people to think on their feet. And I think that's one thing with presenters too, to be able to think on their feet. Or if you're in a clinical setting, be able to think on your feet because you're going to get uh, things thrown at you that you had not anticipated. And if the person in the clinical setting 
or the audience sees you not being comfortable, not being able to handle it, they're not going to have the confidence. The changes probably aren't going to come about. So like uh, Michael mentioned, the confidence level is huge. And you can learn that through the stage, whether you're a magician, a hypnotist, a clinical hypnotist, stage hypnotist, motivational speaker, you're doing those kinds of things. So don't be afraid to take mistakes. And the last thing, when you're on stage or when you're doing individual sessions, have fun. You know, people don't have enough fun. And they can tell it if, if an audience is watching you and you're not having fun. During every session before I hypnotize someone, I always hypnotize myself. I even do it during my before my shows, even though I've done over 12,000 shows, I still do that and I get into that mode. So work, find a mentor, do as many shows as you can, have fun, and you'll make it. Jason Lynette here once again, as always. Thank you so much for interacting with this program, keeping the conversation going inside of our public work smart hypnosis community, the public free group on Facebook. Again, I'm going to link over to htlive.net forward slash workshops. That's where you can see the details for the event that uh, these three guys are doing before the conference, plus many others too. And I'd encourage you to stick around after the conference for hypnotic products. That's my two-day business training exclusively for the sole focus of helping you to create your own passive income empire. Now, let me throw one more little mention here. Head over to jasonwebinar.com. This is a new on-demand workshop you can watch right now, Six Steps to a Six-Figure Hypnosis Income. You don't have to wait for it. It's something you can get right away, jasonwebinar.com. So whether it's online, whether it's in Vegas, stay safe out there, and we'll see you all soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.